you have the American dream. You run your own business. But running a business turns out to be more than you thought. It's a pain in the neck. You're not getting where you want to go. You're not getting what you want to get. And you're working 97 hours a week. We're here to help you fix that. This is the Small Business Celebration Podcast. I am your host, Michael Roberts, and on this podcast, you can learn something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. Before we begin our interview with this week's successful small business visioneer, I want to take a moment and thank you, the listener, for listening to the Small Business Celebration Podcast. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, you're about to hear an example of why after several thousand downloads in just over a year, small business owners, CEOs, CFOs, partners, and general managers download the Small Business Celebration Podcast in record numbers on a weekly basis. We want to thank the tremendous content that our visioneer guests continue to provide this podcast, our sponsors, and you, Visioneer Nation, who have subscribed to this podcast, internalize our guests' valuable insight, and because of it, are growing a strong and profitable business. And we thank you. Our guest today is David Oxley, the owner of Oxley Pest Control. Welcome to the Small Business Celebration Podcast. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. Tell our listeners who don't know you, what is Oxley Pest Control and what is it that you do? Oxley Pest Control is a creation that my wife and I came up with a long time ago, and we service our community uh, here in the Bakersfield, Kern County area, as far down as into Hollywood. How do you service the community? We stop the spread of disease. We make people comfortable in their homes, protect their largest asset from wood-destroying organisms. You've gotten in the phase of your professional career where you are becoming a mentor to a lot of other business owners as they're getting started with their business. Why is having a mentor so crucial? And did you have a mentor when you started your business? Well, I came out of the agriculture field mm -hmm. where everybody helped each other. Everybody worked together. Everybody was friendly. And when I got into this industry, nobody wanted to talk to you. And why is that? Your competition. Ah. And you might take an account. Mm. A lot of the smaller companies... We're very fearful of the larger companies and of each other. And I had Pat Clark of Clark's Pest Control come to me one day. He found out that what I was going to be doing. And he said, let's go to breakfast. Hmm. And he took me aside and said, I can't service all the accounts, and neither can you. What we need is a high standard. And he helped me out and did some teaching and taught me. And I thought, I need to return that. Mm. somebody did it for me. It's hard to find in this industry. And I was willing and able to do that for others. I see other industries that they have resources they can pull from. They can go and get help for this and help for that. In the pest control industry, it was hard to find. Mm. In Bakersfield, we are so far away from the major centers where we can find some of that, we're always having to travel. Mm. My first initial idea was to set up in Bakersfield so I could help. But once again, I'm the enemy because I have my own business. <laughs> and it's like, no, it took them a while to, you know, kind of go, okay, yeah, Dave, Dave really will help. Nice. But then I've expanded that throughout California as well. 
the number of people I've mentored and helped and who still call me today. And it's been 10, 15 years that I've started helping them. And how long have you owned your business? I started it in 1994. Uh-huh. I started my training in 1992. So that's 26 plus four. That's 30 years. It's a long time. (laughs) (laughs) I knew I could start the business. And if I failed, I had time to recover and start a new career. Mm. Pat Clark helped you develop your company, develop your business, and develop it into the success that it's been for over the years. What were some of the things that you did that you leaned on, Pat, to learn from that helped you grow and develop your business? One of the things he taught me, first off, is he can't service all the accounts. Mm. That's kind of an eye-opener. When you're first starting your business, you're going, oh, i got to have every account I can get. Right. I'm not there to service every account. Some accounts are not easy to work with. Mm-hmm. 5% of all your customers will be absolute terrors. 5%, you can't make them mad. Right. And then there's everybody in between. So when you're starting your business, you need to weed through that one 5% as quickly as possible and let them know that maybe there's somebody better that can service you. So now you have the freedom to target better customers, target more profitable customers, and select what you want to service and not service, how to build your business. One of the other things it sounds like from what you've just discussed is that Pat also was an available phone call or a line for you. You were able to give him a call and ask him about how do I deal with these changes in the laws? How do I go through and deal with this kind of an employee situation? What were some of the things that that relationship with having a mentor did for you? That was very important for me. And I didn't, I didn't bother him a whole lot. But when I needed something, I would, I would call and say, hey, in fact, I just did recently. Wow. I had a, a question, okay, I've been in business for a long time. How can I handle this differently? Or how, how can I find that type of person? Right. <laughs> Didn't like his answer. But, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but you did ask. But it's like, okay, and then the example was this. It's like, Pat, how do you find a good manager? And his answer was, you have to grow them. <laughs> and I went, oh, that's not easy. <laughs> now i got to go back to hard work. <laughs> but that just being able to go to him on if I, something was really bothering me, I could go to him and say, hey, Pat. I also found some other mentors in the industry by going and doing some training classes and seminars. Mm-hmm. And so I developed a network of different mentors. But Pat was the first one to come and help me out and give me that hand that I needed. So you found mentors in other areas outside of pest control to help you with your business. And this sounds like this came from a lot of self-education. No, they were mentors within the industry. Okay. They were my suppliers. They were manufacturers. Ah. They were other educators who then I bought out his educational school and have been using that as a mentoring tool as well. And that takes us to where you are now, which is you're returning the favor, paying it forward as it is. Correct. For business owners, 
and business leaders who are in year 10, 11, 12 of their business and moving forward. Why is mentoring others, even though they may be, quote unquote, taking your clients away from you, such an important and valuable gift and tool? Because if they make a mistake in my industry, somebody's going to get sick. Mm. It is going to make a headline. And when that headline is abused, then the legislature will get together and they will make more rules and more regulations and take away our tools. Mm. Our tools happen to be predominantly pesticides. Right. Pesticides have a very bad reputation on purpose. Just ask Roundup right now. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Which is bogus, by the way, if you do the research on that. Okay. I went to a seminar the other day and they explained what's going on there. You'll find that they have not really done anything wrong and that it's only one outlying research that has given them that bad name. But in, but as pesticides overall, we have to guard what we have. We have to be good stewards. And so I need members of my industry to be highly educated, highly professional, so that they're not hurting my business. Mm. So if I can help them do that, then it's also to my benefit. Also, if I'm going to be a mentor, I've got to be on top of my game. Right. And so I need to be as good as I can be. And so I have to go out and do my research. I have to go out and make my contacts. And by passing it on, I'm 58 at this stage. How much longer am I going to do this? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Depends on when I'm tired and worn out and bored. Right. Then I will pass the reins on. But somebody needs to be there to pass them on to as well. If Visioneer Nation wants to get in touch with you here at... Oxley Pest Control, how do they do that? They can get a hold of me through the business here, and that would be through Oxley Pest Control at 661-325-2687. And state who you are and, and let them know that you're wanting to talk to me. And, and your website? OxleyPestControl.com. How do the top 10% of business owners generate so much success and wealth? I'm Tim McNeely from the Lifestone Companies, and I want to share with you four guidelines that will enable you to take better care of the people you love, support the causes you care about, and enable you to change the world. If you go to lifestoneco.com slash four things, that's lifestoneco.com slash four things, you'll be able to download this guide that shares with you the four success habits that will enable you to take better care of the people you love, support the causes you care about, and you to change the world. We're here with David Oxley, the owner of Oxley Pest Control, and... One of the things that you mentioned earlier on is that you are a steward, and you talked about being a steward of money. And being a business podcast, we're all here to make money and grow a yes. strong and profitable business. And how has your philosophy of stewardship helped your business become financially successful? <laughs> i got to tell you the importance of it first. Okay. At one point in time, we were not watching where we were spending money and how mm. we were spending it. Just trying to grow the business, get up, get everybody out. And I had to actually go get my wife's check because she was working for somebody else, put it into the company so that I could pay my employees. And that told me I need to start watching where I'm, the money is flowing. Mm. Being out of debt has given us the freedom to take opportunities to do things to grow the business. If you're in debt, you're a slave to that. Right. And now you don't have opportunity to do different things in your business. 
and you have to show up every day whether you want to or not. It's one thing to choose to show up to work. That's another thing to have to show up to work. Right. Because then it becomes a job. Then it's a job. And if you are just owning your own job through your business, it's not going to be fun. One of the things you also mentioned and talked about is investment. And that comes from discerning what you invest into. So give us some thoughts on how you have chosen and where you have decided to make investments that have done well for you and your business. One of the harder things to invest in is advertising. Mm. Everybody has the latest, greatest, best way to advertise for you. You know, I've got a great podcast for you. (laughs) (laughs) For the only small investment of... When I'm looking at an investment, will it really return? Mm. I do try a lot of new technology. I do try a lot of new methods. And and that comes out of agriculture as well because I worked for a seed reproduction company. And so we would try new varieties and we would do the testing and then we would only put forward what is best. Mm-hmm. We have to do some of that in pest control as well. What equipment is going to deliver your product to the best of its ability. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you're not going to contaminate non-targeted areas. Make sure that you are going to get a good residual and control mm-hmm. and at the best price. We actually had a gentleman, come, another mentor that came in and worked for us with us for nine months. Every month he would come in, he would do some training and he would show us different ways to apply products and what would work best. And then we would go through the financial part of it. Now, was this gentleman a vendor? He was actually a manufacturer. Oh, perfect. He was a manufacturer's rep. Okay. He wasn't just pushing his product, which was very nice. He was a very collegiate-minded person. Mm -hmm. And so he actually had done research in the past and had helped me out. By doing that, we switched up how we were completely doing our service, and it became more profitable. He taught me that a bottle, of, which was 32 ounces, that cost $145 made me more money than a bottle that was 128 ounces that cost me $40. We actually looked at how products work. Mm-hmm how they would take care of my customers, and which one was I having callbacks with this product or no callbacks. Learning what the cost of a callback is. I'm sorry, for those of you who don't know, a callback would be my customers still having problems. I have to go back. I still have roaches. Can you come back and fix it? (laughs) I have to. I charge for the first time there. Right. When I come back in between services, I'm not charging. Right. So now I have to make sure that I'm going to be able to cover that customer and make sure that we're using good techniques, that everything is working properly. Because going back costs a lot of money, more than most people realize. You have your lost opportunity cost because you could have been servicing somewhere else. Right. You have labor. You have wear and tear on your vehicles, your equipment the product that you're going to have to put down, all those things come into play that you're not calculating. Right. Or you have to calculate, and it's on the wrong side of the column. Most people aren't calculating. (laughs) (laughs) And you need to calculate it. So he told me, or he taught me, that 
using better products, better equipment, and better techniques actually would make me profitable. I had a callback rate of 33%. means for every guy that went out, two were creating money, one was costing money. And we almost went bankrupt. Wow. It's been several times in our career that we've almost gone bankrupt. <laughs> and by getting a mentor and educating you and teaching you will save your business. When you make an investment in a piece of technology or a piece of equipment or in people, yes, how do you discern how that return is going to affect you or what it's going to produce? Okay. How does it work? What is the technical information that I need to know? Why it works? What is the cost? What is your availability if I'm having problems? If you want to sell this to me, how do I get a hold of you so that I can get more technical information if it's not working the way it's supposed to? And lastly, who's used your product and how do I get a hold of them? I want testimony that this is going to work. Now we can talk. This sounds like something that regardless of at what point you are in your business life, you can step back and take an assessment of your own inventory, of your own systems and processes, of your own employees. Yes. And make this discernment on how, if the investment is working or not working for you. That'd be true. And an employee is an investment. My minimum cost to train somebody is somewhere between ten dollars and $15,000. For each employee? For each employee. That's for my base level employee. And the education never stops. It does not stop. We continue to, we were teaching this morning. We will teach every week. We will have large teaching at the end of every month. You have to evaluate, is this person or is this tool or is this product maximizing what the company needs to do? So that David makes more money? No. So that the company is healthy, that all the families that are eating out of this company are taken care of, they're protected, so that the customers are being taken care of. If customer is happy, then we're okay. If I take care of my customer, my customer takes care of me. And my employees have to know that. They have to understand that so that their families are taken care of. It sounds like you take great responsibility for family. I do. I don't hire just an employee. I take on the responsibility of their family. Explain a little bit about that. If that person is expecting to receive a paycheck every payday, and that's how they feed their family, they clothe their family, they educate their family, that's how they go on vacations, that's how they get entertainment and bond as a family unit, then I better make sure that paycheck's there. And in order to make sure that paycheck's there, I got to make sure things are profitable in the business. I got to make sure that I'm watching all the systems in the business. And by taking care of that employee and keeping that employee happy at home, then I'm going to have longevity with that employee. On several episodes, not too far removed from this one, we've talked about systems. And in your perspective, what is a system? A system for us is a procedure. I'm going to come out to your house. I'm going to look at your house inside. I'm going to look at the outside. And I'm going to look at all the surrounding areas. How do we protect that environment from a pest? And a pest can be an ant, a roach, an earwig. It could be a rat. It could be a cat. 
it can be mice, it can be a possum, anything that is not supposed to be there is a pest. So we have to figure out the puzzle of how are these things getting there and how do we keep them out. And we do that by training our employees and we do that by making sure they have all the equipment and making sure that the appointment is set up on time, making sure that communication between the customer and the office and then ultimately to the technician is communicated correctly. All that system has to work together. So do you have software that is tracking and controlling? Do you have competent people at each stage of that procedure. And it sounds like this is something that you're putting together so that you can easily replicate it without you having to be there every step of the process. Correct. And I had a problem with that in the past. <laughs> and I had a wonderful brother-in-law who was a manager for a very large company came to me and said, hey, I have this great book. I would like you to read this book. And the book was? The E-Myth Revisited. Ah, excellent. Basically, it talked about a lady who made really good pies. And everybody talked to her and said, you should start a pie store or a pie company. And the next thing you know, she did. And then after that, she hated what she was doing. Because there were not proper systems in place. Or proper procedures or ways of doing things. Correct. And you have to set all those up for the least motivated or intelligent person in your company so that there are checks and balances and working yourself basically out of a job so that you have competent people to take care of the things you don't like to do. <laughs> and that has made my life so much easier and so much more enjoyable in my business so that my company does not count on me for everything. Perfect example. Mm -hmm. I had employees calling me all day long. Dave, how do I mix this? How do I apply that? How do I do this? How do I do that? And I thought, I'm just a babysitter. I hire adults. I expect them to do a professional adult job. So all I need to do is spend my time training them. The more time I spent training them, the more time they became independent. So when they would come to me and say, Dave, how do I mix this? I said, did you read your label for the product that you're using? Well, well, I said, okay, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to read the label. Mm -hmm. And by the way, tomorrow, I'm going to have three questions on that label, and you need to know them. <laughs> what I was doing is I was teaching them not to have to rely upon me 100%. Right. They are now empowered because they've learned what they need to know. I'm there for the big questions. I'm there for when there's trouble. I'm there when you have a customer that's upset with you. How do I deal with this? So my whole job in the business is to make sure they have all the skills and the tools and supplies to do their job. That is now my job. My job is not to go out and to spray anymore. My job is to pass on. And it was at one point. I had a lot of hats I wore. I gave those hats away, starting with what I didn't want to do or what the company needed the most. Sometimes just because you're good at something doesn't mean you're the right person for it. Correct. <laughs> and sometimes I'm the biggest hindrance of the company. Sometimes it's better just to get out of the way. Get out of the way. Correct. Hello, 
Visioneers. Just want to take a moment and congratulate Visioneers Eric, Anne, Carson, David, Heidi, Jeremy, and Taylor as they were among our top 10 participants in our like, comment, and share campaign last month. Because of their efforts, they got to participate in an exclusive event held for interviewed podcast guests of the Small Business Celebration podcast. How would you like to be invited to one of our exclusive events just like them? Well, starting today, February 2nd, 2020, we are launching our Super Visioneer 2020 program. Qualifying Visioneers not only get invited to exclusive events similar to the one held last month, but also get to have two exclusive Super Visioneer 2020 events each year that will help determine the shape and the form of future Small Business Celebration podcasts. Also, how would you like to hear your voice? on the Small Business Celebration podcast. Go to the smallbusinesscelebration.com and click on the Supervisioneer 2020 tab to learn how you can become a Supervisioneer. Go to smallbusinesscelebration.com forward slash Supervisioneer 2020 today. We're here with David Oxley, the owner of Oxley Pest Control. And we're talking about systems and processes and the longevity of the business. For you today, you've been at this for 30 years which is no small feat unto itself. What motivates you today differently than when you first started your business? When I first started my business, uh-huh. I was going to do this temporarily to make sure I had enough money so I could get back into agriculture. Okay. And I wanted to find a product that I could go sell in agriculture. I love ag. Well, I got into this and I've started realizing what the value was to the community and how much I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. But what motivated me was I wanted time with my kids. Ah. I was didn't get married till I was 31. We didn't have kids for six years after we got married. But my whole goal for starting a business was to have time with my kids. It was very important to me. Sure. I quit my job, asked my wife to marry me, and said, by the way, I don't have a job. I'm going to be gone for two and a half years. Um, <laughs> you love I'm, me, I'm, right? <laughs> yeah, do you love me and want to marry me? <laughs> Knowing those those were our goals, I needed to make money to take care of her and then to be able to ultimately have time with my kids. Right. Rich dad, poor dad taught me a few things about passive income. I got into looking at how do I grow this business. I look at it this way. There's only six to eight precious years that you really get with your kids. Right. When they're little, you're just making sure that they're fed, they're clothed, they have a proper method for getting educated. But when you really enjoy them is when they actually, and most people may not agree with this, but when they start getting into junior high or high school. They start really developing a personality. Yes. And that's <laughs> when your mentoring of your children becomes very, very important. Right. Right. Now is when you can show them, oh, yeah, dad does know something. And so, <laughs> they still might not believe you, but, but at least you can show them. And in, in, in able to do that, we found different ways through sports or scouting or sitting and spending time together so that we could build a relationship. Well, if you have a job, your whole important thing that you need to do for that job is to show up and do the work. Right. I needed flexible time. In flexible time, I'm still working hard. I'm still making sure I get all my job duties done. But I need to do it in increments that allow me to carve out time for my kids. When they had sporting events, I wanted to be there. When they needed to be somewhere or they were sick or whatever the need was being, I wanted to be there. That's why I started the business. That's what motivated me at the beginning. 
What motivates you now? What motivates me at this current time is my kids are in college. They're becoming young adults. They're about to launch on their own. But I have employees with families. It goes right back to the families that I have to be responsible to. Mm. Once again, they have their kids. They need their time. They need all those issues that come up in their family. It's when you have that summer picnic and that summer barbecue for all the employees (laughs) and their families that you sit there and you understand. (laughs) You don't understand my industry. (laughs) Summertime is when we're very busy. Very good. It's spring, fall, and winter. Ah, very good. But if somebody's child is going to get an award at school, okay, let me know about it. Run over there, go Mm -hmm. take that time off, Mm -hmm. and then get back on your job. If your child is sick, I'm not going to argue with you. Get there, take care of your child, but then get back. Right. But also part of that mentoring is, okay, I'm an Eagle Scout. Part of the things that we learned in scouting was be prepared. And one of the things I have to teach my employees in the mentoring is you need to be prepared. You need to make sure you eat enough so that you're not getting sick. You need to make sure that you are getting enough rest so that when you show up, if you're having a great time with your friends the night before, know when to stop and get home and get ready. Make sure that your clothes are washed. Make sure that, you know, it sounds it sounds stupid, but it's very important issues. And when it comes to your family, you need to let me know that you are needing some time off. You need to communicate. All those things, being prepared and taking care of yourself and your family and making sure that you can show up to work. All of this that you've done, all this mentorship, all this growth of your business has not always been easy. (laughs) You've mentioned that you've gotten near to bankruptcy a couple times. Yes. One of the lessons that you want to convey is our friends at the Internal Revenue Service. I really don't want to convey that, but (laughs) (laughs) it's not fun to talk about. But it it is. It's important. What happened? We were growing at about 70% over the year previous. Wow. But it was all done in four months. Oh, boy. We would bring in personnel to sell. Mm -hmm. They knew how to sell, and they would create a lot of growth. And I was counting on who I thought were professionals to guide me and help me. And when you are growing that fast, you have a whole lot of front and loaded expense that you have to put into the business and you're not going to get the money until later. Mm. Well, payroll is one of those things. Mm. Unfortunately, most people don't realize that you have to pay for part of the payroll tax. You're also required to collect that payroll tax from your employees. Then you are required to deposit that. And if you're not watching the finances, that bill gets quite extensive. And it it is due immediately when it's due. So where's that money going to come from? Well, you've better put it away. It's not a fair system. It's not fair to anybody that's operating a business. But you need to have good advice and how to make sure that that's going to happen. How has this lesson influenced the decisions that you continue to make today? Slow growth is a whole lot better than fast growth. (laughs) (laughs) Sit down and reverse engineer your growth. Mm. 
Make sure that you can afford to get all things in place, equipment, employees, your operating system as far as your computers. What's tracking everything? Make sure those are all in place and that you can afford them and that you are prepared. Do a test run. I'm only going to grow 10% this year. Okay, that worked well. Evaluate what went wrong. Where were your weakest points? Then go bump it in a little more the next year. If you're just starting out, man, you just got to make sure that you're not overextending yourself, which means then you also make sure you don't have a lot of debt. Even if you're into year three, four, or five, the same rule applies. We were talking a little earlier. First three years are the most miserable years that you're <laughs> ever going to have. And I must have come to my wife and said, I'm going to quit. Mm. 50, 60, 100 times. <laughs> And thinking and dreaming of other jobs that I could have had. I chose to stick it out. Between your fourth and your fifth year, you start breathing a little bit because your cash flow is getting up to where it needs to be. And then you are paying things off quickly. Then you can dream a little more and try to grow a little more. So your fourth, fifth, sixth year you are now starting to realize what key pieces need to be where and how to get them. The other thing that I did was I started reaching out and finding mentors in my industry, uh, whether it would be seminars or whether it was my suppliers, and they were putting me in contact with other people. Building long-term relationships in the industry with your suppliers is critical. They know the rest of the players in the industry and can put you in touch with them. Once you're doing that, then you can realize, okay, now I can grow. I've got all these things identified. Now this is what I need. For Visioneer Nation, what is one thing that they can do today to grow a strong and profitable business? Stay out of debt. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, I use it still today. I have 22 vehicles that the company has. Mm -hmm. All but two are paid for. How do I get those paid off quickly? And then when do I bring on new ones and when I get rid of old ones? And how do I get rid of them? The debt thing is a huge issue. If you have no debt, you have freedom to dream. You have freedom to expand. You have freedom to try different methods. You're no longer in the rat race. You're not in the rat race. Exactly. For those of you who haven't read uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, we recommend you do. Um, <laughs> yeah, it gives you the freedom to make the changes you need to. Well, David, this has been a pleasure. Thank you very much for being on the Small Business Celebration podcast and giving us a tremendous amount of wisdom, wit, and a lot of nuts and bolts, <laughs> meat and potatoes, as it were. So thank you very much for being on our podcast. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so very much. How do the top 10% of business owners generate so much success and wealth? I'm Tim McNeely from the Lifestone Companies, and I want to share with you four guidelines that will enable you to take better care of the people you love, support the causes you care about, and enable you to change the world. If you go to lifestoneco.com slash four things, that's lifestoneco.com slash four things, you'll be able to download this guide that shares with you the four success habits that will enable you to take better care of the people you love, support the causes you care about, and you to change the world. is a visioneer. A visioneer is a small business leader who is a pioneer that has vision 
A visionary is someone willing to see the world, not as it is, but as it could be, and is willing to do something about it. A visionary is ethical, smarter, faster, and leaner than the mainstream competition. A visionary gives value first because visionaries are in business for the long haul. Visionaries understand the difference between saving money and earning a profit. Visionaries define their destiny. Visionaries create their own luck. Visionaries surround themselves with successful, like-minded people. Visionaries are renegades who defy the mainstream competition and are ready to change the world. Are you a visionary? Join the Visionary Tribe at Small Business Celebration on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram today. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you might find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. That's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. If you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to the Small Business Celebration podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. Also, if there's a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on LinkedIn and Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business.